Live radio, everybody. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. It's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. And also with you. Coming up, we'll take a midichlorian count of who here at the NEPM offices observes this holiday. Boo midichlorians. Out of the canon with you. And we'll talk with Sarah Real from Hot Plate Brewing and Liliana Atanasio, <laughs> Laura Cabrera and Perla Mendoza of Latinas 413 in Pittsfield about more culturally appropriate ways to celebrate tomorrow's holiday, Cinco de Mayo. But first... It's time for our weekly conversation with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, Worcester's own Jim McGovern, in a segment that I like to call McGoverning with McGovern, where we can ask questions on your behalf to the U.S. Congressman. You can send them in any time at thefab413 at nepm.org, or you can text us 1-800-639-9120. Let's start with a listener question, Congressman. Got one from Angie, who wants to know what you and Congress might be doing for COVID and COVID relief. She says a lot of long haulers really feel left behind. There's a lot of people who are still very sick and struggling. You know, we're still technically in the midst of all this, and it's easy to forget about the COVID long haulers. But what's Congress been doing as of late when it comes to COVID? What we've been doing, what what the government has been doing is actually kind of backing away from the COVID pandemic, which I, I think we have done so in a, in a way that is premature. We're not doing what Angie wants us to do, which is to make sure that there's a long-term commitment for those, you know, who continue to be impacted by it. And, you know, that a long-term effects from, from getting the virus. You know, the vaccine mandate on the federal level has come to an end. Lots of the federal resources that have gone to help individuals and businesses deal with, uh, with COVID have been stopped. I, I don't know what to tell Angie other than the fact that, you know, we're going to have a debate on our appropriations bills in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. And my hope is that there'll be a recognition of the fact that some people are still being directly impacted by this. We talked about this last week on the show, but the uh, the big announcement was yesterday in Amherst in regards to the Jones Library. And that expansion had a bunch of other elected officials, including State Senator Joe Comerford and State Representative Mindy Dom, and then did a walkthrough of downtown Amherst. What was your take on uh, yesterday's announcement at the Jones Library and that influx of federal funding to uh, bolster well, that library? It, well, I love the Jones Library. I mean, it's an incredible place. It, it's an incredible collection uh, and so much activity going on there. But it needs to be upgraded and renovated to lead people into the next century. And um, so, you know, one is I announced an earmark that I got for the library of a million dollars. And then the other is uh, we work with them uh, to get a National Endowment for the Humanities grant. Their application was so impeccable that all the reviews of those who uh, review applications for the NEH were like over the top about how wonderful it is and how incredible the project is and how excited they are about supporting it. Uh, Look, libraries are important parts of our community. um, And it was great to be in Amherst where they actually want to read books rather than ban books, uh, like in some parts of this country. So it was great. And also we did a walking tour through downtown Amherst, looking at some of the new businesses that have opened up post-pandemic. It's really quite incredible. We toured the Drake, which uh, the Business Improvement District uh, was a big champion of. And I remember seeing it when it was in shambles. And now it's this incredible facility for music and for meetings. And it's just, it's just great. And a lot of the new restaurants that have opened up are really, really good. And I think the key to the success in Amherst, the revitalization of downtown Amherst, is the fact that there's a plan. It's not just saying any business come here. They want businesses that actually complement the downtown that will get people to come downtown, not just merely to fill up space. And so it was really exciting. I thought it was a very good day yesterday. I really enjoyed it. 
Keeping it within Amherst, you made a joint statement on May Day, International Labor Day, about the University of Massachusetts Amherst and the folks that are there working for the Advancement Department who are being essentially union busted. Can you talk about what that joint statement said and what you're doing in regards to those workers working in advancement at UMass Amherst? Well, the statement was issued by myself as State Rep. Mindy Dome and State Senator Joe Cumberford. Look, we're frustrated, quite frankly, at the university and how they're treating these workers and how they're pushing them out of the state system, essentially, where some of them who are not vested in the state pension system might get that state pension, which, you know, is, is unfortunate. And the university is using kind of a rationale to do this that nobody else seems to be able to verify. I mean, they say that the retirement board is requiring this. And, and yet, you know, I've talked to the treasurer, we've talked to people at the state retirement board, and they just disagree with that. So who's well, the they that is saying it? Is it is it the current chancellor? Because it, it, do, it does seem that yeah, when you no, hear from it, the university it, it, that this it, seems like it's it, they're trying to abide by some it, sort of state law, but you're saying no. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, and, and, you know, I've talked to the chancellor and I've talked to President Marty Mean about it. Our suggestion in this statement is, okay, well, put a pause on everything right now and let us have a meeting with all the stakeholders so we can verify whether or not statements are true or false. And again, I mean, if, if the treasurer's office is telling me that this is not a problem and they're not urging this, they oversee the state retirement board, then where's all this coming from? But there's a way to, to, to resolve this, you know, stop the layoffs, which I think are coming up in a, in a couple of weeks and get a meeting together sit down and let's all lay the facts on the table. Let's have a, an expert mediator there to be able to tell us what's true and what's false. I think the workers are owed that. And I, I, you know, this is a public university. There needs to be public accountability. I have great respect and affection and love for the university. I, I, I have great admiration for the chancellor as well. But this is just not right. And um, I think uh, Mindy and Joe and myself feel that, uh, you know, that, that, that this is a moment when everything should be put on hold. And let's get everybody into a room and let's talk this out. But the reasons the university is giving right now for these actions, we just can't find verification for any of the stuff that they're saying. So before you dissolve a union, before you force people who, by the way, are public workers who love their jobs, before you tell them that they no longer have jobs, you know, you owe it to them to sit down and let's uh, let's work this out. And by the way, if the university is wrong, and I think that they are uh, on this, they ought not to go ahead with this, period. Earlier this week, you were awarding an Atomic Veteran Commemorative Service Medal to Leo Quinn. This is a medal that you worked with the White House right. to try to bring into existence. Tell us about Leo Quinn and tell us about the Atomic Veterans Commemorative Service Medal. Well, Leo and there are a lot of other veterans like Leo who um, served our country and were present during atomic testing. And they were exposed to radiation. Uh, many of them developed cancer. Many of them developed other ailments. But they were sworn to secrecy. So they couldn't even tell their doctors what they did uh, when they served our country. They couldn't tell them that they were present during atomic testing. They weren't even allowed to talk to their families about what they did. And it wasn't until Bill Clinton was president that he basically said, well, we lifted the ban on, on talking about this stuff. But having said all of that, these veterans were never recognized for their service. And I met with a number of them and thought that they deserve a medal for their service to our country. They sacrificed an awful lot, with, especially what they were exposed to. So did their, their families. So I passed on a number of occasions an amendment to the Defense Department Authorization Bill to give them a medal. And the Pentagon didn't want to do it. 
Uh, I mean, it, it, for stupid reasons, uh, basically saying they don't like to come up with medals retroactively for service, which made no sense to me. But in any event, I tried when Trump was president to get him to push the Department of Defense to do something to no avail. And, you know, we talked to President Biden and he said that, yeah, this, this recognition is deserved. And so people like Leo and others, I mean, Leo's in his 90s. A lot of the veterans who are atomic veterans are no longer with us, sadly. But the few that are remaining deserve this recognition. And we have the medal. And we presented to him in my office in Worcester. Leo is a very active in our community here in Worcester. He heads up the St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee. He's involved in all kinds of stuff. He's a great guy. But I also want the Pentagon to do a formal ceremony for these veterans in Washington. They've been neglected for too long. So I think this is a proper way to recognize their service. One place where you are at odds with the White House and with President Biden comes up in an editorial that you wrote jointly with former senator from Vermont, Patrick Leahy. The headline in the Boston Globe in the editorial says Biden should remove Cuba from the state sponsor of terrorism list. This is an editorial that uh, was in the Boston Globe, I believe, yesterday. And it's interesting because you've been coming on my previous show and this show uh, for, for years now. And when the Obama administration, the Obama White House tried to normalize relations relationships with Cuba, something that you had been working on for quite some time. Who was it that called you to tell you the news that the relationship was going to be more normalized between the United States and Cuba? That was Joe Biden. And that's why it's puzzling to me that we are still pursuing the Trump policy toward Cuba. I mean, this is two years now into his administration. So this is no longer a Trump policy. It's a Trump Biden policy. But our policy toward Cuba is stupid. It is an embarrassment. And it makes no sense. Continued isolation, economic blockades, and now putting them on the state sponsor list of terrorism when there's no basis to do that. Our policy is a, is a vengeful policy. And the people who get hurt are not people in the Cuban government. It's average Cuban people. It's just cruel. I have met with Secretary of State Blinken. I've talked to his national security team. I've, I've talked to everybody I can possibly talk to uh, about changing course here and uh, i had hoped that they would they're dragging their feet and so that is why senator former senator Leahy and i did an op-ed piece to kind of bring this issue more public our policy is a relic from the cold war and and, and we're paying for it i mean we we continually isolate ourselves from a lot of our latin american neighbors who don't show up to conferences and and meetings that we ask people to come to because they're protesting this policy. Our policy is resulting in more Cubans coming to our border. I mean, the numbers of Cubans leaving Cuba for economic reasons has risen significantly. And, and we keep on saying we don't want to welcome any more immigrants into this country, yet we're producing more people who feel that they have no choice but to come to our border. And uh, the economic hardships that are sanctions and putting them on this list, uh, this terrorist list, it's heartbreaking what's going on down there. And uh, I get it. I mean, people talk about our Cuba policy in terms of Florida, you know, can we win Florida in the presidential election or not? You know what? I, I appreciate everybody's focus on elections, but we need to focus on doing what's right. And the right policy for the United States was what the one that President Obama and Vice President Biden started to move towards, which is a new era of cooperation where we can, you know, respect one another, where Americans can travel freely to Cuba, where our businesses can do business in Cuba. And by the way, we can benefit from some of the advancements in Cuba, including some really incredible stuff that they're doing in terms of medical research that sometimes we don't talk about. We all can benefit from this relationship, and 
we got to move in that direction. Congressman McGovern, uh, has there been any movement in regards to the debt ceiling crisis that we're coming closer and closer to? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the United States could for the first time ever default on our loans in a matter of weeks here by June 1st. I know that you, the Democrats, the White House have all been pressuring the Republicans to take some money out of the Pentagon budget if they if they would like to uh, make some cuts in regards to how much federal spending we're doing and to not cut. From veterans' benefits, both you and the White House have released statements in regards to that. And any mo- movement or positive directions that the both parties have been going towards so that we do not default on our loans, which could cause economic chaos here and globally? Well, the president has called the leaders together and try to figure out a way forward. But look, the problem is that we shouldn't be politicizing the, uh, the debt ceiling. I mean, this is about paying our bills. America pays its bills. And if we don't, then it results in economic chaos. I mean, some really bad things will happen uh, if we default. And if you want to talk about, you know, should we spend more on this or less on this, there's a place to do that. That's when we come up with our budget. But once you've accumulated bills, you got to pay them. We should find a way to, to make this an automatic thing because it's become too political and it's a, it's a dangerous game they're playing. The problem for Kevin McCarthy is that, you know, he has a Republican conference that is not going to give him any political space to maneuver. And so if Kevin McCarthy starts to move, you know, more to the middle, he's going to lose more and more Republicans. So he's going to have to rely on Democrats. The problem for McCarthy with that is when he became speaker, he said he agreed to any one person could call call up a motion to vacate the chair and basically overthrow him. And so my guess is that he's worried about losing his speakership as a result of this. And so he's got some issues that he's going to have to work out. But you ought to put the country first. This is an all-time high in recklessness and stupidity. We have to find a way around this, uh, not just now, but in the future. Last question, Congressman McGovern. It's May the 4th. It's unofficially Star Wars Day. Who's your favorite Star Wars character of all time? Uh, probably uh, Yoda. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I can't yeah. go wrong with Yoda. I like, I like Chewbacca, too. Yeah. But I like Yoda. <laughs> what about Baby Yoda? Have you been watching in The Mandalorian? He's technically not Baby Yoda. He's his own thing. But that thing is as I, I cute have, as I, cute I, gets. Well, I'll have to check it yeah, out. Yeah, you have to check it out. This is the way, Congressman. Anyway, uh, if you've got a question for the Congressman, Star Wars related or not, you can always send it at thefab413 at nepm.org or text us 1-800-639-9120. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you so much, Congressman McGovern. Well, thanks, and may the force be with you. (laughs) Coming up on this Star Wars holiday, we'll hear about a Rebel Alliance in Pittsfield that have teamed up to more appropriately celebrate tomorrow's holiday, Cinco de Mayo. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. At Hot Plate Brewing with Sarah the owner and brewer for Hot Plate Brewing, with Liliana Atanasio, Perla Mendoza, and Laura Cabrera of Latinas 413. They are throwing a Cinco de Mayo party on Cinco de Mayo, which is tomorrow. Cinco de Mayo is not a real holiday in Mexico. So what does Cinco de Mayo actually mean in Mexico? What is it like there? Well, that's really great question. Cinco de Mayo is more celebrated in the U.S. than it is in Mexico. So that's a, that's a one of the funny facts. It happens 
is that Mexican Americans adopted Cinco de Mayo as a celebration to celebrate their Mexican heritage and roots and to remember grandma, right? And what is to be in Mexico, right? We're in the U.S. We live here. Our families, our girls are going here, but part of us is Mexican. We're not celebrating the uh, independence of Mexico. That's happened since September. So I think they still want to feel part of the celebration, but not exactly because they are not living in Mexico. So they decided to do that. And, and we honor that. People don't understand exactly the connection between Mexico and United States. The reason why the celebration is important for here is because after the battle in 1862, the first celebration was actually in Texas, who was not part of the Mexico anymore, but it was like in the beginning of become part of the United States. The idea of the celebration, it was never from Mexican side. It was actually the American side who said, oh my God, come on, we can celebrate this situation because they was really uncomfortable with the French um, people to try to conquer Mexico. So and they were so happy when, when they see the independence of Mexico. The, the idea of the celebration was born from this side, actually. In the Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> when I came here uh, like 18 years ago, I seen different uh, restaurants that they celebrate, oh, Cinco de Mayo, or when I was working, they, oh, happy Cinco de Mayo. I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, yes. Those first celebrations were like, or like where in Texas it was originally celebrated, do they still celebrate it there? Celebrate it. Yeah, it's a very big traditional day. And, but the celebrations here have been for lack of better term, Americanized, how does that holiday come to the forefront? It, it's commercialization. Um, and you, you also have to think back about, you know, who was Speedy Gonzalez? And how did we all grow up with that icon? And how does that move forward? Coca-Cola has their polar bears at Christmas. So Corona was like, great, we have this holiday. This is ours now. Thank you very much. Even though they do have the commercial where, you know, the pine, the palm trees lit up at Christmas. But <laughs> it is that this is what it means to be Mexican, rolling out all these light beers. And, and to me, what's fascinating also about this, and this is just, you know, beer nerdery, is that the Mexican lager style came from the German immigrants that, that went there. And so it is a German style beer, but everybody's like, no, this is Mexican beer. And, you know, as a brewer, it's like, oh, the, no. his, the history of beer is so rich. Can we all embrace it? Can we all embrace it? Like, oh, you sweet summer children yes. <laughs> that you would believe this. <laughs> but like people, at least because in no small part because of Corona, believe that the Mexican lager style is a much lighter lager somehow. And that's just kind of not true right Right, and to me you know there's the argument of big beer versus craft beer I, I have to give it to big beer to think about that they produce all around the world and it tastes exactly the same the science the scientific feat that goes behind that and you know you aren't supposed to store beer in clear or green bottles because of uh, the sunlight hits it, it skunks. So again, the technology it has to go through to be shelf stable. So that's just, I'll get off my beer perch. <laughs> but you know, it is, I'm like, you people should appreciate this. Um, but yes, that it's not, that's not, it, it is a, not a Mexican beer. Like that style comes from elsewhere, you know? Whereas if you look at something like pulque, like, oh, that, well, that's something that, that's different, but you know, <laughs> definitely not sold at mass. <laughs> right, right. You're starting to see polka here in very small amount. Yeah. yeah yes. It's a bougie thing where when I, I asked my dad one time uh, to tell me more about polka, he said, it's disgusting. And I said, <laughs> well, if you drink it probably at the mass amounts you did, <laughs> then yes. So, 
everybody's got a booze that they eventually exactly. avoid, and mine is Lagavulin. In the morning, we all had regrets. <laughs> Latinas 413 is an organization bringing together Latino women, especially, in the Berkshires. How did you all come together? We are all about representation. And that's why we align so much with this idea of talking about stereotypes, right? All this idea came after COVID. How can we advocate for a community who was really hit? And we are a very diverse community. A Latina community is representing 20 countries, right? In different languages. So we're like, oh, how do we do this? It was really hard, but seven women put this together. And now we're becoming a nonprofit organization. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. This year is happening. We're really young. It's been three years working hard and arts and culture, (laughs) mentorship, uh, a lot of programs that we, uh, all of us feel really proud and we've been learning. It has been a learning journey. We're very proud of that. (laughs) Speaking of arts and culture, Laura Cabrera, you're a musician. Yes. Did you get started in that here or before you came to the States? No, I started doing uh, here. I started playing ukulele in my apartment with trying to teach my daughter a little, a little bit of our language and also our music and that's how everything starts and I start uh, getting together with different musicians, performing at Masmoca, we're performing in different places. I think I force sometimes myself because I want to have representation of women singing traditional music. That's why I did that. Nobody knows that. <laughs> yeah. I love music and when I start going different places in the Berkshires different performance with Liliana she was the one who always like Laura you should perform and I had so much support of my friends and that's why I started too because I think I felt that needs in the Berkshires and I feel so happy that I started with Latinas 413 and now we have more musicians it's another woman that she used to start singing and I feel so proud I feel so happy that we have more representation Carla Mendoza how did you get involved with Latinas for Pretty much for my friend Lily, she always invited me to become part of the community with her and I just always try to help her in anything she needs. I always pretty busy, but I always try to, to find the, the moment for her and do something for our community too. So you were friends before, before the organization started. Like a dream. We always like got together thinking about, oh, we should do this, blah, 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 help our community. We, I think in our hearts, always we have that, that need and that passion and that love for our community to give something. And I feel we all doing different things, but at the same time, it's one, one, I don't know how, one, one piece of our community. community. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yay, friendship. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, America shared Mm -hmm. this story that everything started in her kitchen, right? Getting together. Honestly, the best stories always start in kitchen. Your brewery started in your kitchen. Yeah, it absolutely did. So see, now and then we have more stories. Yeah, it is. It is so true. Just sharing ideas. How can we serve our community? We live in the middle of nowhere. 
<laughs> this is Berkshire County, right? And our community just started growing recently in the last years. But if you ask an immigrant 20 years ago, there was no Latina community. So this happened in the last probably five years. And so the need, if there was need, it grew exponentially. And we all went through, we all are immigrants. We were thinking, how can we help? Well, how can we make it easier for people who come here and go, will go through the same situations and realities that we all face? Let's say school, let's say housing, let's say food, whatever this is called, how can we help them and support them? We're not going to save the world, but if we can bring a little bit mm-hmm. of support or company engagement community here we are for you we might not be able to save the world but we can at least save ourselves yeah yay Ariel of hot plate brewing how did you get involved with latinas 413 uh it was honestly i kind of felt like i was on an island by myself here uh moving here i believe just meeting people through the city via all the licensing and permitting we had to do for the brewery learning that there was this group and i was like my husband came to me and he's like do you know there's this group that you i was like what <laughs> and i think it was just in the infancy of that and i was trying to figure out and i i forget who had a conversation with i was like i want to be a mentor and then I'm like i missed a meeting because i was trying to you know build a brewery and things and i'm like oh god i'm a terrible person it's just like look we're all going through our stuff we're all trying to figure out this life parla Tell me about your life outside of Latina 413. Well, I'm going to graduate in this year. <gasps> yes, I'm going to become a probation officer. Uh, pretty much for, like, my intention is uh, to work with the juvenile system because they really need help. And obviously because the Latino community needs a lot of help in that branch. So I am try to work in there and make an impact for, for the Latino community, some extra help. Somebody that exactly understands the fact with the Latino boys and girls is is very is very tough because I guess there's nobody taking the time to think about that. They just think the fact that oh we have a lot of violence around the kids are not going to do it, but they never think that okay, I'm going to sit down here and I want to talk to you. Where are you born? Who is your parents? How you live? You know, like that kind of very important fact. Badass woman. Right? Yeah, right. That's the badass yeah. woman. For sure. For sure. We need somebody to understand diversity in that branch. Not just the American law, not just the American way to do the things. Because this country is growing a lot in diversity. And we are not just talking about Mexicans. We're talking about, like my friends say, people from Ecuador, Brazilians, uh, even Europeans too. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to think out of the Americanization law. I think it's time to change a little bit of points in that. And I, I, I always, when I try to display my, my t-shirts or my, you know, like people who's around me, they was looking at me like, okay, that's very <laughs> important about how, how I was supposed to do this. Well, we'll have to try it. Yeah. At least we can, Sorry. we need to try it. Yeah. That's why. Laura Cabrera. It's like you're clearly doing Cinco de Mayo on Friday, but what other holiday would you like Latinas 413 to throw a party for? Ah, we so many. La Llorona. La Llorona, ah. right? Um, uh, maybe um, Navidad, in Navidad. Uh, Christmas, uh, 
Oh. We have a celebration in Mexico. I forgot. What's the name? Uh, Las Posadas. Oh. Posadas. I, I see a lot of nodding. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And Las Posadas, it was very fun because I it, it's all the family included. Like we sing, we celebrate with food. So everything in, in one celebration. So I think I missed that. We try to do every year, right? With uh, Eleanor and some other uh, people, they start celebrating. And I think I missed that. So maybe in the future we can do. My son, he's 17. So, but I think he's always connected with Mexico. We went to this party in close to New York and it was, uh, I'm from Veracruz and in a small town and, uh, and they celebrating with dancing and I love playing ukulele and they were playing music. It's a big celebration and, and my son, he was like, I never see so many jarochos from Veracruz <laughs> in, the same, in the same place and it was good to connect with them. I think I miss that and my son, he, we like to know more about our culture. Yeah. And he's exploring. <laughs> More with Latinas 413 and Hot Plate in Pittsfield coming up in the fabulous 413 on NEPM. The guard, the saga continues. Wu Tang, Wu Tang. Olympic to us flaming. We burn so sweet. The thrill of victory, the agony defeat. Uh, once again, I'm here with Sarah of Hot Plate Brewing, Liliana Atanasio and Perla Mendoza and Laura Cabrera from Latinas 413. Cinco de Mayo party is happening on Cinco de Mayo, clearly, unless you wanted to do it on a different day, which I wouldn't fault you for, and that would be amazing. Just, you know, mess with people's minds a little bit. But uh, if I don't ask about Wu-Tang Wednesday, Monty's going to kill me. So... Part of the reason why Monty is so upset that he's not here right now is because it is Wu-Tang Wednesday. How did that start? So we make a cream ale um, and we started making this cream ale, we being my husband and I, Mike, started making this cream ale a number of years ago when we were homebrewing as an honor to his grandfather who, you know, kind of that called it the lawnmower beer. You know, it's like after hard days work in the yard, this is what you want. For New Yorkers, they're like Genesee. People know what a cream ale yeah. is. Um, other people are confused. There's not milk in it. So it's not, it's very, it's quite clear. Um, and so we were trying to think through this recipe and what it meant to us. And because we want to have a story behind everything, Mike is a huge hip hop fan. And so, you know, kind of going through, and so the name of the cream ale is Rockin' the Gold Tooth, which is a line from a Wu-Tang song. So we, um, since it's back on tap now, to reintroduce it, you know, we have, let's, let's play some hip-hop. There's not... Shocking. There's not many hip-hop nights here in the Berkshires. <laughs> the irony of this being that, like, last weekend somehow was just, like, hip-hop mecca for, for the Valley. I don't know how that happened. Exactly. exactly. And we, um, when we were living in Brooklyn, we lived near uh, our favorite beer bar. It was called Beer Wax. And so Chris Maestro has a ton of records all in the bar. Um, his wife was always happy that they opened so he could get it out of the house. It was that craft beer kind of switching over the kegs, but then he DJs. And then he'd have all these old school DJs in there. So Mike obviously loved that. And I didn't grow up with that music, but I can appreciate it. So I don't know it to the depth that he does. Um, we did a Wu-Tang trivia at Beer Wax one time. And I 
just sat there and drank. I had zero answers. Mike racked his brain. But um, so we just wanted to kind of, again, bring our style. It's a, it's a different part of the community and just having a place where people can come. And the first time we did Wu-Tang Wednesday, like we were surprised at the demographic that came and we're like tapping their fingers a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? So again, it's for everyone. <laughs> and is it every Wednesday or is it one Wednesday a month? It's when it's the Wednesday when we feel like it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, we're, we're on the socials, hot plate beer. So you always we are not shy about what we are doing. So it is funny that like what your show is called, because when we first started visiting here to do kind of looking at what where we could land, we went to Big Elm and they have the beer, the 413. And I didn't know that that meant this area. So I asked for the 413. <laughs> and I, I feel like for myself, I will never live that down. So the fact that I could say, oh, Latina's 413 and not 413. But also, as I've learned, the support and the education part of this, I want to use my brewery as a support and education place as well. So, hey, let me teach it. If I knew all the things about brewing that I know now, like I could have been a yeast scientist. I could have been, you know, so many cool jobs are out there. That's great. We can we can teach. We can show a trade. We can, and especially in brewing, like you always need to know like all the trades people: plumber, electrician, other things you didn't even know existed until they break. Uh, so, it, <laughs> so using being able to have them just as a, a support for myself and seeing other people like me, but also just wanting to help bring this community here and, you know, supporting and just having friends, you know? (laughs) Friends are important. We've already established that friendship is important. (laughs) We're going to keep that thread going. (laughs) We're all going to make friendship bracelets. (laughs) (laughs) My page, I follow her happily. I was like, who is she? You know, when you yeah. fall in love for the yeah. first time, like, yeah. who is she? I want to know her because yes. she started doing her, uh, the beers and all this yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh my God, she's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we all feel the same, the same, have the same feeling. Totally, totally. When, when you posted a Latina owned brewery, I was like, this woman is a badass woman. <laughs> She, she, she's putting it out there, you know, and it, talking about stereotypes, right? Yeah. Like women, like we're just talking like how many women were not allowed to go and drink in a bar or sit in a bar by themselves, right? And this badass woman, <laughs> say it, she's the owner of a brewery. Hey, we support Latinas. We're here for Latinas, and we feel so proud when a Latina is doing great, is doing well. We all are going to do well. That mm-hmm. gives us hope. Right. You know what? <laughs> I, I want to do what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know her. I could really use a vacation. So. <laughs> That, such is the life of a of a new business owner, yeah, I think. Exactly. Really, um, I'll mention that I was also super excited about your brewery. I found out about it from Ray Berry, who uh, we were at White Lion, which used to be right across the street from our studios in Springfield, and was talking with him about minority brewers. And he mentioned, you know, that there's a Latina owned one coming to Pitchfield, and I was like, what, really? He's like, yeah, a woman's opening a brewery. I'm like, a Latina woman's opening a brewery. I have to go there now. And I was looking for all this information, but you hadn't quite opened yet. <laughs> Brand spanking new. How is it treating you? I mean, it's it's crazy. I'm still working my day job, so that's fun. But it is honestly everything we had hoped. 
which is great. It is still challenging. My husband, Mike, works front of the house most of the time, and people still question him. Oh, you no, you're really the brewer. She's not the brewer. Um, even when I come out and am covered in grain and dust and or, a, you know, a hose has sprayed in my face, anything like that. So it's great. There, I am still getting reactions, actually, from both men and women, like, far back, lean in the chair. Oh! There are thoughts in my head that, for <laughs> once, I, they do not travel out of my mouth. But, yeah, it, it's great. Again, we opened in February, which was not ideal for me. But, but it was like, hey, come break your dry January with me. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, it's the Berkshires. It's cold. It's you want to be inside. So we're looking forward to the summer and, and all of that. But yeah, and the brewing community is great around here. So it's it's not that I just opened in a vacuum is that we have all these other breweries around the area. And um, Christine from Big Elm has been so amazing answering questions like specific brewing questions, letting me brew on her system to, hey, how much garbage do you guys produce? Because I need to, you know, tell, like, have my garbage picked up and I should know how much that is. So it's been great because the brewing community has also been so supportive. That's wonderful. For us, it's really an honor to pair and collaborate with Sara and everybody at Hope Plate. It's, it's amazing. It's going to be a party, a real party. <laughs> What are some of the activities that are going to happen on on Friday for Cinco de Mayo? So one, we are uh, pairing with a food truck. So Biggins Diggins, we actually did um, partnered with them last weekend. But this time I've been talking about him, kind of how can we transition? And he likes to experiment. So he's doing like a smoked guacamole, which is amazing. Um, I'm going to make my salsa so that he can have that with his you know chips and salsa, kind of changing things up. So it's like we have that food element. Um, and you are not busy enough to make like you're brewing beer all week and then you're also going to make salsa. Yeah. Okay. I got to have, I have at least like minimum five bottles of hot sauce at my house. So like when I run low on salsa, I've got to, I've got to re up my, my stash. I suddenly realize yeah. how my friends feel when I explain my schedule to yeah. them. <laughs> exactly. Um, my grandmother never complains. So why should I, you know? Um, we're going to have some music, dancing. I think we're going to play some Loteria. So just kind of, just have fun, you know, just natural, whatever, whatever people want to do. You know, it's, it's, our space is a playground. Okay. So what is Loteria? This is a fun, the way I explained, right? It's kind of a bingo, but it's not a bingo. So you have all these pictures with different names. It's going to be in Spanish. So this is an opportunity for you to practice your Spanish. Perfect. We're probably going to ask you to come in the mic and say, oh, el diablo, la sirena. <laughs> so you'll say all this word you got to find on your chart. You have uh, everyone gets a card, right? With different images or pictures and the name of each picture. And someone is just naming on the microphone like yeah la sirena la escalera and it's a game i used to be at the fair in mexico and people will come and just say it and play with it and put money there and probably make money we're not gonna do that but we're just gonna have fun this is a great opportunity this friday this particular um Cinco de Mayo, I see like a good opportunity for everybody to learn. We don't know everything. We don't need to know everything. We're learning every day. And I think it's a great opportunity to come. Let's say I invite you to my house for the first time. And I tell you we're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. So I will ask you to come with an open mind, a flexible mind and say and ask, what is Cinco de Mayo about? 
what do we do? What do we celebrate? You know, and I think not just for Cinco de Mayo, but many of the holidays that we have in America and in many other countries, I think families adopt different traditions over the, the year, right? Over different lives and moms and grandmas uh, teach you things that you, you decide to keep with you or not. For me, Cinco de Mayo is important because I have two girls that are born here and I decided to live here. So I'm a Mexican American by choice, <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm happy to celebrate that my roots, my culture, my heritage, and be part of the community. Sarah Liliano Atanasio, Perla Mendoza, and Lara Cabrera, thank you so much for for hanging out with me. Where can people find what you're doing and where so that they can join you if they they need or if they know somebody who would like to come and participate? Thank you. You can email us latinas413 at gmail.com if you have any questions, if you want to reach out, if you want to connect, if anything. Just there. Social media is also latinas413. That's it. We are on Instagram. We are on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Almost every, almost every <laughs> social media. We're out there. Yes. And please reach out. Even just to say, here we are. <laughs> We're Latinos too. Yes. Right Cheers. Can we, can we end with the, the um, phrase that Chabela Vargas used to say? The, As a Mexican, we work wherever we want. That's, that's Mexicans it. are born anywhere they want. <laughs> so we all are Mexicans. We all are Mexicans. <laughs> so let's come and celebrate. <laughs> Started off on an island, AK Shallon, Robert Wallen, gunshots thrown the phone down. Back in the day. Up next, celebrating May the 4th with the NEPM crew in Springdale Lunch in Holyoke. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on NEPM. It's May the 4th, which is unofficially Star Wars Day, but it is officially Star Wars Day because if you drive down 91, all of the Mass Department of Transportation signs say things like, trust the force. Wear your seatbelt. Use the false loop. Or speed is the path to the dark side. Here is the path to the dark side. Or obey speed limits. This is the way. This is the way. And so I am a huge Star Wars fan and have been since I was young. Kalise is such a Star Wars nerd that she plays these extensive role-playing Star Wars games. And Kara Foster, who we credit at the end of every show, you came in today and I noticed your hair right away. Yes, I, I'm wearing Leia buns in honor of May the 4th, just for today. And your family is all big uh, yes. Star Wars fans, too. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, uh, my youngest beast woke up this morning and said, May the 4th be with you. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Should I do the hair? She's like, you should do the hair. <laughs> it looks great. Thank you. I wish I could do my hair like that. I guess I have Jabba the Hutt hair. <laughs> or Yoda hair. When 900 years old, you reach, look as good you or not. Hmm? Mace Windu hair. Mace yeah. Windu yeah. hair, I like that. Yeah. The Senate will decide your fate. I'm a Star Trek girl, though. Oh, we know. Yeah. NEPM News Department's Liz Roman. You are a Star Trek, quote-unquote, girl. Yeah, I am. In your own yes. words, you turned me back on to Picard, which I was going to give up on. Shut up, Wesley. But have now watched, and I'm glad that you did. And now I've even gone back to Deep Space Nine, and I'm watching that. And I'm, series. I'm almost done with Best season series. one. But it is Star Wars Day, and you're not not Star Wars, because you, like, watch a lot I of do. things. I like Baby Yoda. That's it. That's, that's my love of Star Wars. Yes. 
Get him out of there. No. Come on. Is that the only Star Wars that you have watched? Like no, I've seen all of it. So I went back and watched all of the original movies, all of the animated series. Wait, the original, original movies original. or the director's re- recuts? Those oh, are hard. I don't, I don't the original, know. original ones are hard to find. Probably the, the recuts. Yeah, I'm the assuming. ones with all the dinosaurs added in were just sort of like, <laughs> what were you, why? It is lame. Yeah. So I've, I've watched all of them in chronological order because I'm a completionist, so I like to, to watch everything up to date. But I'm not currently caught up. I haven't seen, is Andor the new one? Andor's pre this last yeah. Mandalorian, but it's, I think, the most excellent of series. Fight the Empire! But besides that, I've seen everything, so... Battlestar Star Wars. It is Andor. like Battlestar Galactica <laughs> slash Blade Runner. But yeah, Mandalorian, I really love Baby Yoda, and, um, or whatever his real name is. Grogu? Yeah. Or gonna, Jin Grogu now, I I'm gonna, think. I'm going to stick with Baby Yoda. I'm waiting for him to get a metal helmet that covers up his little ears. It's going to be so cute. I know, I can't wait. But then you won't see his cute face anymore. That was like, what if they put, if they put a Mandalorian helmet on him, he won't be so cute anymore you won't see his face I think he'll still be cute the whole helmet will be like his whole body <laughs> maybe he'll just wear it in unconventional ways like float around in the helmet upside down but yeah may the fourth be with all of you NPM News Department's Nirvani Williams what's your relationship to Star Wars oh god I mean no not on the spot yes this is how it works in the fabulous Star Wars 3 oh my god this is the way I love Star Wars. It's amazing. I mean, I don't know why they changed everything from The Last Jedi into what ended up happening. (laughs) That really sucked in The Rise of Skywalker, so I don't really know if I totally agree with all the new stuff that's been going on, but... What was the first Star Wars movie you watched? Because I'm old compared to you. I saw uh, Return of the Jedi in the theater when it came out. Oh my god. I mean, the first Star Star Wars movie I think I saw was A New Hope. And okay, that's good. Where, that's where it started. Yeah, yeah. And then I went from A New Hope, finished that series, and then I went one to three. Okay. You know? All right, good. You know? We're on the same page with this. We have to. <laughs> Uh-oh. Classical music host John Nowacki, uh, it delighted us all when you were <laughs> you responded to a group email here at NEPM with, This is the way. This is the way. Which is uh, <laughs> one of the big catch lines from the Mandalorian Star Wars series. A big Star Wars fan? More or less. I don't know that I'd be a geek, but I sure did enjoy the films, all of them. And I know some of them are controversial. Some folks really either love them or hate them. I like them all, and I'm enjoying some of the series now, too. Yeah, so you were a big Mandalorian fan. Absolutely. I think it's really well written, and the production values are through the roof. Yeah. Now, as our classical music expert here, what about the music? I mean, it's so... I, as somebody who doesn't know very much about classical music or symphonic music have grown up obsessed with John Williams. It's really interesting. It's not just John Williams. You know, some of the music is a takeoff on Williams, but there's another fellow, and I can't think of his name now right off the hand. He's uh, more of a contemporary composer, and it really fits. Yeah, I love the Mandalorian theme. It's great. It's like a great old Western. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Punk Rock Dubay, you have a thought about Star Wars. Yeah, I don't like Star Wars. I'm in the Freddie Mercury camp. What about you, Bart Rankin? I love Captain Kirk and uh, and Scotty. <laughs> Star Trek doesn't have a day. Yeah, no, I love Star Wars. Do you love I'm when kidding. Gandalf comes in and puts the big curse on them all? <laughs> That's right. What about you, Chris? My dad took me to see Star Wars uh, opening day back in, what, 77? Yep. We've been part of my life ever since. Nice. <laughs> you remember me. I remember you, Monty. My name is Ari. Ari, we're here at Springdale Lunch, a.k.a. Cajun Ladies, and you posted on social media yesterday in anticipation of May the 4th Star Wars Day that you've got a very special sandwich that we came all the way here to Holyoke from Springfield to eat, and it is called? It's called the C-3PO. And what's in it? It's a Cajun chopped cheeseburger. 
po' boy with cherry peppers, onions, spicy mayo, lettuce, and tomato. It worked for me to get me down here, so that was, that was still pretty great marketing. I put on your post the uh, It's a Trap. It's a Trap! Which uh, is a famous Star Wars line, and it worked. It worked, it worked for a lot of people. We got a lot of people in here today. <laughs> Did you all get the C-3PO? What's your names and where are you from? We're the Drews. I'm Rachel. This is Bill. Bill. Where, where are you from? We are from here in Holyoke. Okay, so, and you already eat the C-3PO yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. And we almost licked the plates clean. Oh, so was that good? Oh, that was yeah. excellent. Fabulous 413 director Tony Dunn. Uh, you're here having C-3PO with me, too. Kali We're bringing one back to Kalise, but she did let me have one of the Wu-Tang beers from Hot Plate because I missed out on that fun action. You're also a huge Star Wars fan. Huge fan. Uh, it's not a stretch to say that George Lucas in Star Wars is the reason I do what I do today for a living. Because you have worked in television for a very long time, you work in the media, and it was that's what inspired you? Absolutely, yeah. That movie, when I found out a little bit about what went on to create that movie, which is groundbreaking at the time. Um, that kind of creativity and artistry was just mind-blowing to me, and I wanted to do something like that or be a part of that. You got to interview a huge special effects legend from this area, Doug Trumbull, who didn't work on Star Wars necessarily, but he worked on 2001 A Space Odyssey. He turned down Star Wars. His father worked on special effects Darth Star Vader. Wars. I am the father. Oh, God, right, yeah. You know, the 80s were just a wonderful time for amazing special effects married with incredible storytelling people sort of sometimes get forget in the, in the world of blockbusters that it all comes down to story and the story of star wars is a timeless one george lucas drew upon joseph campbell and the hero with a thousand faces and archetypes to uh, create a modern day myth that resonates with so many people all over the world and that's why we're having the c-3po sandwich here in 2023 all right director tony dunn what was your take on the c-3po cajun chopped cheeseburger with cherry peppers onion seasoned cheese lettuce, tomato, and spicy mayo, C3PO. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Spicy, so if you like spicy food, uh, I think it'd be right up your alley. If you don't, then I would pass and have one of the other wonderful items I see all over this menu here. Big win for the C3PO. It's May the 4th. How could you not get the C3PO? And it pairs perfectly with the Wu-Tang beer that Khalees brought me back from Hot Plate. The cream ale. Cash rules everything around me. Rockin' the gold tooth is the name of the beer. Just like C-3PO's most of his body, except his leg, which is red, which most people forget. That was one photo that was taken, and the lighting was a little off. It was always one color. It's it's one of those uh, internet conspiracy oh. theories. Yes. Uh-oh. Do your research. Curse my metal body. I wasn't fast enough. <laughs> Tomorrow for Live Music Friday, we'll be joined by Western Mass and the world's favorite octogenarian rock and roll chorus, Young at Heart. And for Cinco de Mayo, we'll enter the Mezcal Thunderdome with Smithsonian Indigenous Chef of the Year, Holyoke via Oaxaca's Neftali Duran. Our director is Tony, but I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters done. Our engineer is Bart. It's a trap, Rankin. Our technical team is Betsy. I find your lack of faith of disturbing Cordis Kara made the castle run in 12. Part 6 Foster and R2 Dupe 2. <laughs> See you tomorrow on the 413.